Welcome to the Business Bound podcast, where authors of business books chat with me, Tasha Glasgow, about their books. In this episode, I talk to Sapna Pieru about her book, Let's Get Visible, Get Brand Clarity, Stand Out in Your Industry, and Supercharge Your Business Growth. This book hit number one bestseller status in four categories on launch and won a business book award. Designer, author, speaker, and mentor, Sapna is the multi-award-winning founder of brand consultancy Inner Visions ID, helping ambitious, ethical, and purpose-driven businesses stand out so they can make a bigger impact. This episode is sponsored by The Pod Squad, the podcast agency that books experts on relevant podcasts to increase their visibility and help them spread their message to a new audience. Full disclosure, my day job. Check out thepodsquad.com. Welcome to the show, Sapna. Hi. So in the first part of your book, you discuss the importance of branding. Can you walk me through the differences between a brand, a personal brand, and branding? Ah, yes. Uh, This is something that I do get asked quite a lot, actually. So, yeah, I can. So, brand is, so many um, entrepreneurs do believe that their brand is their logo. And I spend most of my life telling people that your brand is not your logo and neither is your branding. Um, And the difference between brand and branding, so the brand is, is, is like every aspect of your business, is every touch point of your business. If you think of brands that you feel uh, aligned to or that you feel loyal to, are there any brands that you that you particularly feel uh, aligned to? I can't say. I was thinking about that when I read your book and I was thinking, is there a particular brand? No, for me, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is strange, but That is interesting. Yeah, um, yeah no. So, so I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, for example, um, Nike um, or Nike was uh, one of the brands that he you know, sort of felt aligned to. And um, so, so when, when you when you realize that, you realize it's not just about the logo, it's about what does Nike make you feel? How does it make you feel? Um, how does that brand, what's the brand experience? You know, when you go into the stores, what's the products like? You know, what the products like? You know, are they quality? Um, you get quite a lot for your money. What's the the ethos behind them? You know, they, can't, they kind of um, promote quite a lot of big stars with with Nike as well. So there's a lot around the brand that is not to do with the logo. It's not even to do with the product. It's 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 kind of the whole experience. So your brand is every single touch point in your company. And that's so everything from the very beginning when, you know, when a, a client or a potential customer first sees your, you know, whether you show up on social media um, or whether they take a quiz or whether they um, pick up a book. Um, it's it's all these touch points that kind of build a picture for the, for the client or potential client. Your branding um, is is kind of that. So the brand is a promise that you're, that you're making to your customer, if, if you like. And the branding is that promise made tangible. Um, so it is the visual um, realization of what your company is about. So people can get that from, you know, just looking at, at what the company's about. So branding is made up of, uh, I mean, there's three elements of branding, which are basically color, type, and imagery. It's that simple. Um, and um, and but, but it's actually making whatever it is that you're promising your clients real for, so that they get that great first impression. Um, and was the other part personal branding? Did you personal branding? Yeah, 
So personal branding, again, I get a bit of confusion with clients that come to me first, because especially if their company is their name, um, so they've named the company after themselves and they may, they may be a coach or, you know, a designer and they, and they, their, their company is their company name. And what is, what is their branding and what is their personal brand? Branding is still the company promise or the brand promise made real. But the personal branding is how the entrepreneur themselves shows up. Um, and that's how they show up, you know, online and in person. Um, it's how they, they might show up on a podcast like this. It's, it's kind of their, their own persona and it's the tweets they make and it's the social media that they put out there. It's their voice. It's their appearance. It's how they conduct themselves. And, and so that does align to your, or it should align to your, to your corporate brand, but the two um, are separate things and they may well overlap. And obviously if you've got a personal brand and then you do something that damages that personal brand, for example, I'm not going to mention any stars here because I don't want to get sued, but if they put out <laughs> tweets that kind of aren't very savory, for example, that can damage their personal brand and then have an effect on on the company as well. So, um, so that's kind of the difference between the two. Okay. So you identify uh, in, in the book three key problems for entrepreneurs that affect the building of their brand, clarity, resources, and visibility. So I want to talk a bit about resources and particularly for startups and, and entrepreneurs. Often when you start a business, you want to get money through the door. So you're really focusing on revenue generating activities. So what do you say to a new business owner or a startup that says, I really can't afford to spend money on branding, building my brand. What do you say to them? Well, that's, um, if I had a pound for every time I've heard that one, um, <laughs> I think you've got to think about branding is, is not a business cost. It's a business investment and branding actually can add value to your business. If you're thinking of, if you're at the other end and you're thinking of exiting or building business for, for exit, um, certainly branding is one of those things that adds to the valuation of your business. So in trying to do, I mean, I see this all the time and, it, and it's perfectly fine. You know, it is a valid route for, um, for entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping to try and do their branding themselves or to try and get a mate with a Mac to do it. Or I've had one uh, <laughs> client who, who actually got her mum to do her branding. That didn't work out so wow. well. Um, I had another client who, who asked her police officer brother to do her logo. Again, that didn't work out so well. Um, or you can go to those cheap, you know, kind of generic uh, Fiverr type websites, which I'm not, I'm not a fan of, but it is a route to market. And you can have a logo which which does for now, or uh, you know, a very rarely will you get a branding scheme. Your branding is not just your logo. We'll go into that a little bit later. A lot of people who who think they've had their branding done have just had a logo done, and that's not creating a brand. That's getting a logo, which is a completely different thing. So you can start off that way and you can build your business that way. However, in not getting your branding done and not understanding your brand, not creating a brand as opposed to just sticking a logo on it, you are missing out on, on opportunities. So because people, nobody feels loyal to a logo, right? True. No, you don't, you don't feel passionate about a company. Well, you don't seem to feel passionate about any any company station but but there is there is a company that you feel loyal to um it's 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 very much not likely to do with the logo even if it's something like chanel which you know has a very um you know a distinctive logo or gucci or you know these these brands and some people will wear the stuff because it's got the logo on it but it's because that logo represents 
uh, a feeling, um, a set of values, a way of being. It's a, it's a kind of promise, you know, that oh, you, you carry this Chanel bag and you're suddenly you know, feel elevated, you feel special, um, you feel one of the elite. There's all these other values around it and it's a treat, you know. So even a Chanel lipstick or, or something is, is, a, is a treat and you feel kind of quite nice pulling that out as opposed to a, a Maybelline one, or for, for example, no, no offence to Maybelline, I am wearing a Maybelline product right now. <laughs> but um, but the, the point about investing in your brand and your branding is that um, when I will talk about the do say see model um, in a while. Yeah, that's going to be my next point. Uh, yeah, well, it segues nicely. So I've got, I've got a, a, a model in the book which I came up with and it was wor- after working for four years with hundreds of entrepreneurs and um, seeing this mistake made time and time again about not investing in branding and that what they do. So if you think about the three circles, there, you know, three circles that are interlinked into a Venn diagram and they all overlap in the middle. The top one is um, the do, and this is everything that your business is about, what the product is or the services that you're selling. The method of delivery is online, offline, one-to-many, one-to-one, that kind of thing. Do you need a team to deliver it? You know, what are the logistics? What are the systems and processes and operating, you know, kind of things that you need to actually make it function? So that's the nuts and bolts of your business. And obviously, you need to get that sorted before you start selling anything. But then how are you going to sell stuff? So then you need to say, you need to move to say. So I do say see, the next thing that comes is say, which is your pitch. And that could be the written or spoken word. Um, it's your social media, it's your website blurb, it's your brochures, it's uh, when you when you do white papers or blogs or when you get interviewed like this um, or when you stood up on stage speaking to people back in the days when we could stand on a stage <laughs> and, and speak to lots of people. So we're sort of even easing out of lockdown now. So there's it's a written and spoken word. Now, if you don't, if you can't, if you don't tell anybody, if you if you don't have a say, then you don't have a business because if you haven't told anybody, then nobody knows what they're buying or or why to. And then the next part of building a brand is your C. And this is the bit that, as we've said just now, um, people will will bootstrap and not invest in and, and and leave to the last minute almost. I've seen it happen time and time again and not really understand what they need. So, but the problem with that. Um, and if you think about if you go onto a website and it's slow to load up, I mean, what do, what do you do? What, what do you do? You move on. You move on, right? Yeah. People are very, very impatient these days. We're also quite judgy on appearances. Um, and it's this whole first impressions matter. So I'll, I'll give an example, if, if I may. Uh, on LinkedIn recently, somebody connected with me and sent me a private message trying to sell me their VA services and other office services. Now, I was actually in the process of looking for a VA. So this was quite exciting. Um, So I clicked on the link of their website and was faced with a button which urged me to book an appointment with, you know, a typo in the, in the button that said book an appointment. I clicked straight away. I I clicked off (laughs) and, and, you know, and and they lost my, you know, I deleted, I deleted the message and I thought I'm not even going to go there. So these people, it was the C, it was the first impression of when going onto that website and it didn't, you know, it could have been that it didn't load. It could have been that there's a typo on there, but it's, uh, it, it could be that the, the logo, the, the logo did look really amateur and you kind of think, Oh God, if they can't be bothered to, you know, check their own work and invest in their own company, how invested are they going to be in my business? I'm going to say, do you think that you, you see that because of what the business that you're in, because you're, that, that that really stands out to you and annoys you and it's it's and it's maybe not as important for other people to see the typo because 
for me, it's definitely if I see a typo, I'm like, oh boy, I'm out of here. That's personal. But other people might be just like, ah. and that's and that's your tribe. You know, if you if your tribe are the kind of people that, that that doesn't care about that, then fine, you'll attract your tribe. If you if 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 you're the kind of business that actually does, for us, we you know these things have to be precise because we say that we help entrepreneurs look great and communicate clearly now if we're sending out documents you know producing documents or websites for our clients and they're riddled with typos that reflects badly not just on on us but on them as well so you know it's it's really important um for us to to look the part and communicate clearly if we're if we're promising our clients that we can do that for them um and and a, and a page riddled with typos is is not you know, it shows sloppiness for me. Um, and, and it's certainly, I'm, I'm not on my own in, in thinking that, you know, an, an awful lot of people have clicked away. It's not just about typos. It's, you know, if, if, the, if the website looks shoddy, if, um, you know, if you've got a, a scruffy salesperson that turns up, or if you get given a crappy business card, if you get a thin business card and it's all tatty at the edges and it's really badly designed, you kind of, it, it casts aspersions on the quality that you actually are providing if you're saying you've got a quality product or service and you do have a quality product or service but then your branding doesn't match up and look quality you're doing yourself a disservice and your company a disservice but you're also there's this dissonance where you know it's kind of like the equivalent of a person and you kind of go are you all right are you all right Tasha?" but you're crossing your arms and you're not looking me in the eye mm-hmm. and and what i see is very different to what you're saying so there's yeah. a dissonance and automatically there's a kind of, I'm not sure she's telling the truth. So it's the same with your branding. And, and whilst entrepreneurs will leave their branding till the last minute um, or not put as much importance on it, the actual customer journey comes the other way. So it's not do, say, see for the customer. It's see, say, do, because only if they like what they see and we've got less than six seconds to make a great first impression, probably less on social media, because did you know that we, we scroll through 96 meters of social media a day that's incredible it's insane right that's like the height of big ben so wow yeah yeah, so so if you're scrolling that fast you've got like a second to to catch someone's attention and then they'll stop and then they'll look and and then you've got another couple of seconds where they'll kind of think is this for me and if it's those first first few vital seconds before they might click and do something or take some action if you haven't caught their attention for the right reasons in that split second or second or whatever, then you're losing customers. You're losing business straight away. Um, and that's that's why branding is so important because it, it, it will just make people stop. Stop enough time to actually work out what it is you've got to say. If they, if they, if they like what they look, then they'll bother to find out what you've got to say. And if they like what you've got to say, then they will find out what you've got to do or what you do. Um, and that's why branding is so important, so vital. So you you can be putting people off with a cheap brand. And if you look cheap, you will attract cheap. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. And it's almost unconscious as well, isn't it? You just form these opinions by all these little, these little bits and you might not even realize that you're doing it. It doesn't even have to be something that's totally in your face, but it could just be little, little things along the way. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just how we do with people. When people walk into a room, if you're in a networking environment, um, you know, and someone comes up and they've got spinach on their teeth or that, you know, their scruffy shoes or that, you know, they've got halitosis or something, you kind of like, oh, right. And you kind of instantly know that you're, you're probably not going to work with them. It's that first impression. You've made that before they've even spoken to you quite often. Um, or there's somebody that can look friendly. You know, they look friendly or they look interesting or they look engaged. And you're going just on your, on your visual before you decide if you're going to go and speak to this person right so we do it in real life as well and people treat brands like other people um because you know people do feel loyal to these brands um if they if once they once they get a brand and they and they like using that brand and the customer experience is great and the product is great they will tell their friends about it as well but they'll also stay loyal so so that's that's another thing that you can kind of with with building your brand you need to sort of think about but branding is the way that you will first get their attention um the other thing that, that has has happened um i have i have a client um one particular example um and she's a coach she's a you know sort of trainer um after she had got her branding done with me she put her product up she got a a, a product which she sold for 1600 pounds and she put the price up to 2600 pounds nothing had changed about the product but her branding um so the product looked better. She felt more confident pitching it. Yeah. And it got taken more seriously by the people. She suddenly started pitching up to the kind of people that could afford the the increased package as well. And she ended up working with bigger, bigger companies um, as a result. Um, she made her ROI back really, really quickly. <laughs> you know? That's that's amazing. Yeah. And I suppose maybe the confidence played a big part as well because she now confidence. felt that she could. Yeah get those yeah those uh, bigger clients absolutely yeah and yeah. that's interesting that 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 the appearance of your brand can have that inward kind of effect I yeah mean. i mean I, I i do feel some some of my clients um say that working with me is a bit like therapy um, <laughs> because of the it's you know i would say I, well i don't do logos if anybody comes to me and they and they're asking for a logo i kind of turn them away um, and gently just sort of say, well, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I, I don't do logos. I create brands, but I also create confidence. So the, the, the great turnaround that I find with, with the customers that I work with is they almost, they, they're walking out, you know, almost two inches taller, um, having worked with me because they feel that they can put their best face forward, that they can make that great first impression. Um, you know, I had, I had one lady, bless her, who, who came in the days when I could do these things in person. And I, and I do these one day branding workshops for startups. Um, where we we basically nail your brand in a day, and she walked in and um, and she and she was like, I am it. Sorry if I can you can bleep it out if I'm not supposed to swear. And she went, I'm, I'm and I went, I'm I'm sorry. Why? You know, because most people are really excited when they this is the day their brand becomes real. But that was the the very thing that terrified her was well, this is the day that my brand becomes real, and then I've got to do something about it. You know, it was it was a startup. <laughs> And, um, and it was amazing the turnaround over that day, cause she came in all mousy and, and bowed and, you know, kind of terrified and she came mm. out trilling and doing a Facebook live going down my street going, Oh my God. And it was just turnaround. And this woman was in, in, amazing, but she suddenly had the, it gave her confidence seeing what her brand could look like and seeing what her company could look like and the impression that it could make made all the difference. Um, it's quite it's quite an emotional um, experience for a lot of people that I work with, actually. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that. So in the second part of your book, in part two, you go into detail on your vision process. 
So can you give me an overview of your vision process? Cool, yes. The whole point of it was to try and put into words my process and I did and I hadn't even formalized it that well until I it was all up here in my head you know it was it was in my head the thing that I was doing for clients but I couldn't if somebody said how do you do that it was really difficult to explain because it was so so intuitive so writing the book was great because it gave it structure it gave it a proper structure that other people could understand and then obviously when people understand what you do then they kind of the idea is that they kind of buy into it a lot quicker because they understand what the process is they're going to go through um, so it's um, a six-part pro- process, the vision process that starts with V-I-S-I-O-N. First half is all strategy, where we look at um, visualize, inner brand, and stand out. So visualize is um, where I get the, the client to think about their aspirational brands. We're just, you know, what are the brands that you look at and think one day I want my company to be thought of like them or to have that level of respect or that kind of, you know, I love their empowering message or whatever, you know, I want to be like them and it doesn't have to be in your industry. So we do the five aspirational brands exercise or the fabs. Um, and then I also ask them, where are you now? And where do you want to be in the next three to five years time? Because any brand that we create for them has to have that kind of longevity. Um, and I wouldn't say much longer than that because your brand should evolve as your company evolves. Um, so then we, we talk about the customer's vision as well in Visualize, which is who are they, where are they now, and how is how are their lives going to be transformed as a result of spending with you, working with you? Um, so what's the transformation that you bring to people's lives? Um, and I, I really focus, I get the, the client to focus on that because a lot of people will think about just what they're selling. Um, and it's all about, you know, the features, not the benefits. So we start from the point of actually, you know, what's the big difference that you're going to be making to people? And let's start building that into your brand and let's start communicating that. The next stage we move to is the inner brand, which is my, my phrase with it is, is the inner brand because it fitted in the word vision, frankly. But it's um, <laughs> when we talk about brand values, it's the non-visual part of the brand. So we talk about brand values, brand personality and brand voice. Um, And again, talking about values is I I work with, um, you know, a lot of impact um, and ethical kind of companies of impact driven entrepreneurs who want to make that big difference. And having those values is another reason why people feel good about working with you and feel loyal to you. If if you if you have values that you've documented and then you these are the kind of non-negotiables by which the the company and its employees um, operate. Um, again, just to, to give you an example, um, uh, you know, one of our values is, is customer service. In fact, I've just been shortlisted for the National Business Women's Awards um, for oh. service excellence. Um, Congratulations. So thank you. So we'll find out in November. So we are living what, what we say we do. Um, but, um, you know, it's, customer service is, is a big thing for us. And I hired somebody into the team. It was um, a, a VA who, who is now no longer with the team because I was getting um, complaints from my clients that she wasn't getting back to them on time. And this was like, you know, two to three days, they sent an email and then they started chasing me saying, your VA hasn't got back to me. Um, and that just reflected really badly on us. And I'd spoken to her a few times about it and it just wasn't getting better. So I just, I had to cut loose. But your values are really important as your company scales. Um, even, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you might think, why do I need to document my values? But um, as soon as you get another person onto the team, whether it's a VA or an assistant or somebody who's doing your social media as I have or, 
project manager you've got to all have those values aligned um otherwise it's going to be quite difficult working together and it's how we treat our clients as well it's it's how we behave with our clients it's how we behave with our suppliers it's you know it's how we behave to the to the world at large so values are really really important and so i i eke out of the um out of the entrepreneur what are the most important the non-negotiables by which you are going to be running this company and growing this business and then um, we look at the personality and the voice of how how are those values expressed, um, and so you know that's where we we kind of start start talking about things like maybe imagery and the look and the feel and the and the colours maybe, but we're not selecting anything at this point. It's just kind of looking for the feel of you know really getting that emotive part that what are the emotions that we're going to convey um, with the personality, and then the voice is how it's expressed. Um, in the written and spoken word. So it's the language that you use, the tone that you use, um, the vocabulary that you um, you don't use as well is, is just as important. Um, and then we move to standout, which is um, my favorite part of the vision process, um, where it's a competitor analysis. So we look at your competition, we look at what else is going on in your industry, more to understand it, um, but there's always... Uh, industry norms, what I call industry norms and industry cliches um, in every industry. If I say to you, Tasha, um, the organic um, industry, you know, organic projects, what, what kind of imagery do you think of? What colors? Oh, colors. Uh, definitely green. Yeah. If I think of organic and browns. Yes, greens and browns. Yeah. Yeah, those would be the main ones. Yeah, and what kind of imagery? leaves yeah right <laughs> uh yeah anything that looks like nature natural leaves and trees yeah. yeah yeah so 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 you could say that those are industry norms um because they help people understand uh what kind of industry you're in and and what kind of thing you do however it could also be seen as an industry cliche um because if everybody's doing it then how do you stand out and how do you convey your usp why should people work with you why should people buy your products does, does that make sense yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to look like everybody else, you're not going to stand out in your industry. And my big shtick is about getting people to stand out in their industry because of those few seconds that you've got to make that first impression. You've almost got to have a bit of a shock factor to it or something something that people aren't expecting. Um, and the shock may just be that you're actually better designed, that you know that your branding looks better than the rest because what standout shows you is just how badly designed so many companies are, how bad the branding is. Um, it's it's kind of quite laughable, but it's also very reassuring for my for my clients because they just start laughing and they go, oh my god, I didn't realise how bad it was out there. Um, so we so we look at that and um, and we also look at related industries to kind of get a bit more inspiration. So for example, I was working with a with a tiler, um, you know, he's worked, worked a tiling company um, a, a little while back. And when we looked at um, Tyler's logos, they were dreadful. Um, and generally, it was just kind of, you know, the initials on the side of a van, you know, their names on the side mm -hmm. of a van and, and really not much um, attention paid to design. Um, so we weren't getting any inspiration there. So we started looking at interior design companies instead um, because it is kind of linked to Tyler yeah. and it is speaking that sort of language um, and that's where we ended up getting our, you know, our inspiration from instead. So we look around that industry um, and we also look at the at the fabs again, the five aspirational brands and see if there's any inspiration we can pull in from there. And it's just getting those little bits of fresh thinking from outside your industry can actually make you stand out in your industry. So if you go back to the three elements of building your branding, color, type and imagery or type, color and imagery in that order, um, you, you could just twist up one of those 
and start to look different in your industry just by even twisting up one of those elements. If you twist up all three of them and you try to look so different from everyone in an industry, you, you do risk not being recognized as mm-hmm. being part of that industry. So it's oh, a fine yeah. balancing act, but you, but you do enough to, to stand out um, and still be recognizable. So that's kind of the, that's all the strategy part. Um, and then, um, you know, when I do this as a day workshop, we, we do all the strategy in the morning and then the afternoon is dedicated to design, which is um, the I part, which is called image. Um, so it's image, output and nurture are the, the, the last three parts of the, of the vision process. And image is where it all starts to come together, where we start choosing those typefaces, choosing the colors, choosing the imagery, putting it all together. Um, and that's what I do in, in, my, in my workshops. But then after that, there, there comes output. So, um, you know, in the book, I talk about, well, the very least output that you should get from, a, from any branding project is, is actually get some brand guidelines that are going to help you because a logo on its own is not your branding. You can slap that on everything, but you're still not going to be clear about what color should I use? What kind of imagery should I use? What kind of typefaces should I use? So all of that needs to needs to be at the very least of part of your of your output but then also I talk about how to you know kind of tips for website design and brochure design and stuff like that because there's an awful lot of technical stuff and if you if you're at least armed with that information then you can have a more intelligent conversation with your designer and actually know what to ask for and communicate the whole book is geared to helping communication with your creative because I've actually been the creative and I've been the marketing person in my career so I've seen the problems that come up and quite a lot of those are about communication so it helps you understand that so you can actually communicate that better with your with your creatives the last part of the process is nurture um, and that looks at well now you've got your shiny new brand guidelines what now what do you do with them? It's a bit like being handed a baby and you kind of go, I don't know what to do with this thing now. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and for, for a lot of clients, that was kind of when their journey with us, um, with us ended because they'd spent their money, you know, getting their branding done. And then quite often they'll take the brand guidelines and try and get it done cheaper elsewhere. And they'll, you know, I had one client who went to like a, he, he called it, it was a Filipino all-you-can-eat design service where they pay like £200 <laughs> a month and, you know, they, they produce all the apps. Oh, yeah. So he'd, he'd taken the brand guidelines that we so beautifully, lovingly created for him, and then he sent them to this thing. And then he, he sent me an email going, Sapna, I'm not going to ask you like every single time we get something produced, but is it meant to look like this? <laughs> and it really wasn't. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, have they even read the brand guidelines? So the, the problem with just handing your brand guidelines to any old person afterwards is that it's, I sort of say if you're if you're like a Michelin chef and you can write a Michelin you know starred recipe out, if you don't know how to cook or you're not very good at it, you can still up, right? So um, so the problem is that handing the brand guidelines to somebody who hasn't got the knowledge of how to apply them is just as dangerous. So the nurture part of our package is that we help train up the people that are going to be working with your brand so that you can roll your brand out smoothly and with as little friction as possible and make sure that you actually do look on brand. So that might be working with your web developers, with your brochure um, people, um, with, you know, obviously some people choose to carry on getting their website and their brochures done with us, and that's absolutely fine. We manage that. But for those that don't, um, we've got this service where we help train up, you know, your your PA or the people that are doing your PowerPoint presentations or whatever, and that's and that's an extra service. So, but it helps your brand um, blossom and grow. And then the other part of the nurture process is right. So, how do you maintain that? You know, what are the rules of once you've got your brand guidelines? I mean, what the biggest rule is 
stick to the brand guidelines stop trying to be creative with them because the creativity bit's been done and now you just have to you have to apply consistency with a brand especially when you're launching it um in order for people to build that recognition um again if you've only got a couple of seconds if you keep changing it up and you keep going oh right today we're going to be pink or another day we're going to use a different typeface people aren't going to recognize you you need that repetition and a lot of entrepreneurs get bored with their with their own brand because they see it you know 24 7 um but you've got to understand that your your audience are probably only seeing five to ten percent of what you put out so consistency is really key um but then as your as your brand evolves over time it does need to change but i'd say change it with strategy rather than just change it on a whim um, and so that nurture part actually talks about when is right to, um, you know, rebrand, when, when should you evolve your brand and, and how should you evolve your brand? So that's the bit that we look at in nurture as well, which is really important if you want longevity, um, to the company and to your brand itself. So switching, switching gears a little bit, why did you decide to write this book now? Why, why, when you wrote it, why that time? Why that time? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I did, I actually did a course um, called um, Key Person of Influence. Have you, have you heard of it? I don't think so. Okay. It's um, Daniel Priestley, who's a kind of a, a bit of a god in entrepreneur circles. And, mm-hmm. um, and he's started a company called Dent. Um, so it's Dent Global. And they run a, a series of courses and, and um, you know, it's all for entrepreneurs and helping them scale up and stand out. And they've got five uh, parts of their method. So they have five P's um, and it's pitch, product, pricing, profile and publish. So I signed up to do the Dent course in 2018. I completed the Dent course in 2018. And part of the the, the whole thing is publish, as in uh, part of your homework is to write a book. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, got, it's quite a full-on course. I mean, the, the amount of work involved in it is, is not to be undertaken lightly at all um, if you're going to get the best out of it. But, you know, and a lot of people do the course and don't write the book. I mean, my husband did the course and didn't write the book. Um, not, not many people complete that, that part of it at all because it is hard work. But I mm. just thought, well, I've not spent all this money to do this course to then not follow the advice. Um, right. So... So I wrote the book and uh, I, I joined a challenge called the Abu Challenge. So the, the, the lady who um, who runs it is a wonderful lady called Lucy McCarraha and, um, and she has a thing called the Abu Circle, which uh, she wrote a book called A Book of One's Own, uh, which was a, a, a kind of take on Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own. And Virginia Woolf was a massive feminist and, uh, you know, was, was basically expounding why women should write and why their voices need to be heard. And the reason that more women writers didn't exist is because we are the carers and we are the caretakers and we um, are running the homes and generally have the secondary job and, you know, da-da-da, whatever. And all and all Virginia Woolf said all a woman needed was a room of one's own to be able to create. Um, so, so Lucy wrote a book of one's own because she realized that um, she, she also runs the, she founded the business book awards um, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And in the first um, year um, she had a photo taken with all the winners on stage and didn't realize until the photos came back that it was, um, they were there, there were 11 white men. <laughs> and she said there was like <laughs> literally no diversity on there whatsoever. Um, and there were no women, you know, there was no women. And she was like, how the hell did that happen? Um, and so she looked into it and she, there was 30% of the books were entered by females. So it certainly wasn't, um, 
you know, representative of the entries. Um, there was a 50-50 judging panel, so it certainly wasn't representative of the judges, what was going on. And there is this um, kind of unconscious bias that people give towards um, uh, male written books. Um, so she decided she went on a massive mission to change that and to get more women writing their books and, and actually she's a huge inspiration to me um so that's part of the reason that i wrote my book was to try and even up the numbers <laughs> right <laughs> um and also um in writing the book i found out that 89 percent i mean there's only 11 percent of female leaders in the design industry which is shocking um yeah. and so i i wrote the book to try and again um have a female voice heard um, you know, because we, we have a different take on things and we do things differently. And the way that I do things is a lot more collaborative than the way it's been done before. Um, you know, I've tried to approach the design industry and and, and tell them about this. And I've got that. But they're, they're quite sniffy um, and, and don't really, you know, but the entrepreneur industry, mind you, are really eyes wide open, you know, and, and ears, you know, they, they want to hear about it. So it's like, well, great. Actually, let's 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 write this book for the entrepreneurs who are you know, typically always, you know, reading and on a learning journey and want to know more. Um, it's, a, it's an easy market in that sense that if I'm educating them, they get to learn more about their own brand and their own company um, and they can get a better result as a, res as, as a result of that. And then, you know, it, 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 better branding will make for a better business. Right, right. So what is the biggest message that you want readers to take away from your book? Wow. Um, but you, there's so many messages in the book. Um, nobody's asked, ever asked me that. The one message um, is, you know, do look at the do, say, see model. I mean, it's on my website. You don't have to, you don't have to buy the book. Um, buy the book would be a great big message. <laughs> That'd be a great one. It's called Let's Get Visible. Um, so that would be a great message. But I mean, just have a think about, you know, and if anybody wants to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to have a chat with people or send them, I can send them a free copy of um, a free uh, uh, first chapter of the book. So if they, if they, if they want to try before they buy, connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you, um, you know, you heard it here on, uh, on your, on your podcast, uh, Tasha, and they can get a free first chapter of the book. Um, so maybe that's the, the big thing is, but invest in your branding. Do think about your do say see and make sure that all of those are aligned and supporting each other. Um, right. And that's that's the way that you will build your stronger brand. Okay, so what's next for you, Sapna? Oh my gosh! Uh, well, this year, so the book the book only came out in January, and uh, it won uh, Startup Inspiration um, uh, Award, uh, well, highly commended for um, at the Business Book Awards in March. So it's uh, it, I was still in a process of promoting the book <laughs> when lockdown happened. I had to accept my award um, on my sofa rather than a swanky black tie do. Um, so there's still, you know, getting out there, talking to people, promoting the book, promoting the message really um, is, is big for this year. From a, from a business point of view, I need to, um, you know, kind of redo my website and um, start, you know, getting getting things in place that, that I've previously not been had time to do because I've been doing it too much for my own clients. Um, so kind of just, you know, bring, bringing it up. So it's a point of being able to scale it. I've got a new designer on board. I've got a new VA on board. Um, so we're, we're kind of increasing, um, the next, I think for 2021 is probably going to record the book on audible. If I don't right, manage yeah. to do it this, this year, I've struggled with that because it's a very visual book. Um, and it's in color and there's, there were a lot of case studies in there and stories. There were, so it's yeah. like how to do that on audible 
I'm not quite sure. So I'm sort of struggling with that. But um, uh, that will be I've had a few people saying to do it on Audible because they only consume books in that way. So um, so that'll be the next the next uh, reiteration of the book. But that probably won't be until early 2021. There's a bit. There's a bit to keep me busy. Oh, and homeschooling as well, really. So, um, oh yeah. I don't know if you've got kids. At no, all, no. But, um, yeah, having two little ones around the house, they're they're not going to be out of our hair until September, and I'll probably miss them by then. But um, hopefully things will. So it's gearing up for September, really. But whilst trying to keep some momentum going through the summer holidays. Excellent. So our listeners can get in touch with you on LinkedIn you said that's the best place we'll... to find me yeah Sapnapiru on LinkedIn yeah yeah so we'll put we'll put the link uh, to that in the show notes yeah you've also mentioned that they can get a first chapter of your book yeah if you connect so... with me on LinkedIn and say where you, you know say where you heard this offer then yeah I can I can send you a, a free first chapter of the book um um, so that you know, so you can get a little bit of a taster, and also um, I've got a quiz on my website. So um, if you put if you drop that link in in the uh, uh, the post afterwards as well, then that would be they can take the quiz and and uh, find it's a brand asset health check. Um, so they can they can see how that how their brand's performing. Right, excellent. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. That'd be great. fantastic. Great. So thanks so much, Sapna, for talking to me today. It was great having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a five-star review on whichever app you're listening on. So check out the website, businessboundpodcast.com for show notes and information about upcoming episodes. In the next episode, I'll be talking to Lucy McCarr about her book, A Book of One's Own, a manifesto for women to share their experience and make a difference. Until then... 